0: Hello listeners, this is David Blakesley coming back at you with episode 104 of the Criterion Reflections podcast in which I and a few friends are going to talk about Massimino Delamano's What Have You Done to Solange? I hope I got his name right, I didn't even have it sitting in front of me. Yes, Massimo Dallamano, so I think I threw an extra syllable in there. But it is, yes, this is a uh, Criterion channel... Uh, not exclusive by any means, Uh, there are other ways to watch this film, but this is a Criterion Channel entry that uh, was released in March of 1972, so even though we're pretty well into Season 4 here, we're still in the early months of that year, and uh, this popped up uh, not that long ago. I'm still not even sure exactly what uh, little bundle it's part of. Maybe any of my guests can fill me in on that, and we'll introduce them in just a moment, but... uh, I decided this is my dipping of the toe into the giallo subgenre. Uh, so I've got a couple of guys who I think are much more experienced in this type of film uh, watching than I am. And, uh, and then there's a third guest. A th- I'm not sure exactly where he stands. So let's just go ahead and get the guests introduced as we get into what have you done to Solange. So uh, let's start with Richard Doyle. Richard, welcome back.
1: Hey, yeah, it's good to be back after, I like, guess, only one episode. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: this, this, this is a very similar lineup to what we had last time out, which was Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury. And so, kind of rounding out the guests there, Jason Beamish, you were also on that one. So, Jason, are you going? I was doing well, thanks. How are you? Excellent. I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm looking forward to learning from you guys uh, and being oh. a little bit educated here. <laughs> <laughs> and then our our third guest, uh, fourth overall, is uh, Alexander Cormier. Alex, how's it going tonight? Doing really well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. well, it's good. It's been uh, been a little bit since you've been on, but it's nice to hear from you again. And thanks for your willingness to jump on. All four of you, or all three of you guys, kind of made you know kind of fairly short notice decisions once you saw this pop up on the spreadsheet. So I really appreciate your gung-ho jump into it attitude and and approach and uh yeah, so let's just go ahead and, and just talk a little bit about this film uh massimo dalamano uh, the director didn't really have a big illustrious directorial career but uh, his accomplishments as a cinematographer may be a lot more familiar to many listeners than his name he was the cinematographer and the first two of the sergio leone uh kind of fistful of dollars and uh, a few dollars more he didn't have anything to do with the good bad the ugly apparently but he was on those first two in that uh man with no name trilogy and uh after you know kind of doing maybe a couple decades of journeyman work and kind of getting up to this level of prominence he was given the keys to become a director and this is considered this uh, film what have you done to solange is a pretty key entry it's got a lot of support within the giallo fan base as a as a pretty important film especially since it kind of comes out of that um outside of that kind of high trinity of Bava fulci and who's the other one argento those are the three big giallo guys so this is me just kind of flailing about showing what i've (laughs) read about and and learned by osmosis but i have never really watched any of these films i have not seen deep red i have not seen the original suspiria or the remake for that matter i just have not been drawn deeply into this genre even though i know it's um, enjoyed and appreciated by people who i have a lot of respect for including Richard and Jason and many others who might be checking this one out. Uh, so I am the novice here, and that's kind of an unfamiliar position to me. I temp- typically like to be a little bit more learned and experienced and, and grounded in, in knowing what I'm talking about here. But yeah, I'm the proverbial babe in the woods. So Richard, let me just kind of ask you to give me kind of a first swipe. Uh, let's let's Before we get into the film itself, just let's just talk about Giallo. My assumption is that you've probably seen most of the the big hitters here is that true or not
1: it it is true and and largely because sort of in the big dvd boom of the 2000s most of the giallo films that have been hard to see were released on dvd a lot by blue underground and other companies so i did seek out a, a lot of them at that time um it was a real sort of renaissance for that kind of uh italian for Italian genre films, in general, but it's particularly shallows were um a ton of them that had been like unavailable or released in really poor forms in North America suddenly got released in uh like fully uncut italian <laughs> release versions of them, mm. including this film, which I saw back in that period. Okay, so this was like in the two
0: thousands. You said kind of the last fifteen, twenty years or so, there was yeah. kind of a flood of. Would you consider yourself sort of a giallo aficionado or a particular fan? I mean, do you kind of make it a priority to, you know, when there's a new release? I mean, and you know, and this feels like it was a fairly short lived movement as far as the classic period is concerned. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's mostly like the, the really peak period, I'd say, is like 1970 through 75, 76. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen a lot of them. I mean, I know people who are far more dedicated to <laughs> okay. this than me and yeah. have written books on it, so I wouldn't call myself in that <laughs> category, but I've watched a lot of them
0: cool all right well jason give me your your kind of opening bid or what does giallo mean to you i mean i you made a pretty memorable comment kind of a rabbit hole in which you can get into some trouble with your wife so yeah that that has kind of stuck with me so kind of share with me a little bit of your journey or your uh you know you know, investment if you will in in this genre well um
2: uh, similar similar to to richard but uh slightly different my I'm I'm a fairly recent convert um, to the genre and it's mostly from the big uh, 4k restorations you know Mm -hmm. the big recent releases from Arrow and stuff like that they were just putting out excellent uh, options and um, maybe seven or eight years ago I had gotten the Shout Factory Blood and Black Lace I think it was okay yeah and it knocked my socks off. Hmm. It was the perfect movie for what I needed at that exact moment in time. Okay, great. And it's it's one of the ones that would they would people would widely say is what set the rules the prime rules for what would make a Jello film. Um, but from there, uh, I've kind of gone gung ho into it, hmm. uh, reading what I could find, watching as much as I can. Um, again. Also similar to to Richard, I would certainly argue with against putting myself in an expert mode, but highly familiar. before mm-hmm. I right. say it that way.
0: Sure, let's uh, switch it over to Alex. Uh, Alex, what is your kind of involvement with Giallo? And and uh, let me just ask you, what what led you to jump in on this particular episode?
3: Well, um, I tend to try to put my name down on um episodes that are looking a little bit lonely so that's part of it Um, (laughs) hey me too (laughs) yeah i I like to be useful when i can be um so so that's definitely a part of it i have i'm closer to you david i've seen i I would say that this is probably my third proper giallo film that i've seen and i did have to set the record straight here because i'm sure people who are listening were getting upset when they heard um you mentioned *Suspiria*, which I don't think would qualify as a. As a okay, giallo, can, yeah, that's that's, that's, my, that's that's my that's
0: my naivety. Okay, so yeah, I I, 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 I want to leap scared.
1: in there.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I people, am happily corrected. People, on people
3: that. seem to have strong. Yeah, some folks seem to have very strong opinions about *Giallo*, and as other folks have said, um, it seems to be a subgenre that some people really get sucked into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've. Seen the the other two are both Dario Argento films that I've seen: The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and Deep Red. Mm-hmm. Deep Red was definitely my my favorite of the three. That one I think mostly because it just has such a such visual style going on. So I've I've enjoyed the few that I've seen. I wouldn't say that it's it's a genre that I feel really compelled to like dive into. I do really like genre films in general but giallo seems to uh yeah it's got a sleaziness to it that i can appreciate but also i find questionable at times Uh, i understand the the wife reference because my wife did see some clips of what had he done to solange and she was (laughs) a little bit put off by it which I can certainly understand
2: yeah yeah
3: I had the the same experience (laughs) (laughs) I you know I
0: maybe there are some women some some spouses wives out there who get into this but yeah this one seems like definitely crosses some lines you know and so yeah I guess I do want to kind of just you know, open it up a little bit here because i guess before we get into the, the you know the uh, analysis of the film uh, giallo is you know kind of a, a one of the links in the show notes here talks about it's kind of a a european murder mystery with a certain stylistic emphases uh, typically on sexuality and kind of uh you know kind of this burst of of kind of repressed violence that you know over, overwhelms uh, the you know the storyline and, and becomes really kind of the, the focal point here. So yeah, maybe my my uh, misreading of Suspiria is is just indicative of the fact that I haven't seen it. But I, I it feels like it's it's referred to or or maybe I've just drawn a connection that that isn't exactly warranted. But yeah, you know I'll just I'll just put my cards on the table. I I'm generally not drawn to films featuring people getting hacked up and and murdered in in violent ways and and so i i I do want to say that i'm going to probably make some statements or critiques of the film that i i don't want or intend to come across as judgmental or dismissive or condescending towards people who 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 genuinely enjoy this i mean i've watched the film twice now and i've certainly understood and and you know read up a little bit and and on my second viewing came to appreciate the craft and the style in the nuance of the film, so I, I do see that there's intelligence and artistic, um, you know, aesthetic values and and ideas being put into practice here. So so there are, there are some definitely some impressive things. But yeah, my first response was like, oh, I'm really not comfortable with this because of the the brutality and and the kind of having it both ways exploitative elements but i do understand that there's a there is also uh an artistry at work here so you know i i guess i just want to set the record straight for people who might be saw this come up on the, on my uh on the podcast feed or or are intrigued by my responses and reactions to it i'm still kind of finding my way into this and so i definitely just want to say you know let's let's hear what it is uh what people have to say about it i don't want to necessarily be a wet blanket or a a downer and i don't think i will be completely but yeah there are some aspects of this film and and maybe to this genre that i have to grapple with and 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 uh you know extrapolate a little bit and and understand a little bit more about what's happening here because i feel like this is kind of a relic from a, a time that's passed and uh, and so in in the times we live in now you know how do, how do these these themes play out and and what do we make of this this story that on the one hand seems to be sympathetic and, and mourning the terrible fates that that the victims of the crimes fall into but is also kind of using it for titillating purposes and so yeah that, that's kind of just my opening gambit here and and me i don't know is this is this more of a severe uh type of giallo than others i mean i know they all involve you know killing <laughs> and murders and and there's maybe a, an element of who who did it and and kind of the intrigue of figuring that out but maybe put this help me understand the context that this film fits into compared to some of the other, you know, more prominent titles and others that have perhaps been referenced or not mentioned yet?
1: It, it's certainly not more severe. That would be a not a statement I would endorse because, like, I'll put it this way. Like most sort of Italian exploitation genres, once they sort of get going, expand, and then when they start to slope off, they get very extreme. Hmm. So there's late seventies, especially giallos, that are far more uh, extreme than this one,
0: where they're uh, like really reveling on the the killings and the gore and the you know mutilations,
1: yes. all of that, right? And and come closer to overt pornography at mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. right? Um, which this one falls far short from. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think about this one, though, I mean, because it's a, it's a relatively early one, not. Not early in the genre in that it sort of exists throughout the late 60s, but that it really takes off in 1970 with the bird with the crystal plumage. So it's in the first couple of years where there's a lot of these being made and they're still like at the commercial peak. It's one that's more downbeat and pessimistic than they normally are. Like most of them are violent and stylish, but this one sort of is a bit of a a deliberate downer in a way mm-hmm. that makes the violence feel a little bit more visceral than it does in say something like deep red where the violence is really quite extreme but also so stylized it's almost you can almost distance yourself from it this one i find you can't distance yourself from some of the some of the violence in it
2: i think part of what kind of sets this one uh, a little apart from the rest is uh, that this was a co-production uh between a more common Italian giallo style and the German creamy film.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So where it kind of pulls away from some of the the more stylish tropes mm-hmm. to make it a little more down to earth. Unfortunately, I think the biggest downer part for me on this one would be the ending, which we don't want to mm-hmm. get too deep into the weeds on that. But it, it's important to, to remember the time and the location of mm-hmm. these films, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the easy Availability of smut, for better words, Mm -hmm. for lack of better words, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so the easiest way to get people into the theater is to make them a little sleazier than some of the some of the tame uh, mysteries that you would have gotten from the 50s and 60s coming out of America. Uh, But it ran into an issue where they Mm -hmm. just produced hundreds in a very short amount of time, so it it did not have the staying power, not due to lack of talent, but just overabundance of options, and people just got tired.
1: Which is like a recurring theme in Italy. They really kind of go go really hard on that type of film for a little while and tend to burn it out.
0: Yeah. Once a formula or a format has been landed on, they just go kind of all out and basically exhaust an audience's interest.
2: (laughs) And then there's uh, so much copying involved so mm-hmm. the first the first two bava films that would be considered Jallo's uh girls who knew too much and blood and black lace people saw that and imitated that perfectly then bird with a crystal plumage came and kind of twisted it on its ear to give it something new and fresh and they immediately came in and copied that
1: mm-hmm.
2: they were really on the point when it came to pumping these out
0: so so this particular film, as we get a little bit closer into the, the film itself, What Have You Done to Solange? This is kind of, it's not right at the very forefront. This is 1972, but it's early 72. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's certainly prime time for this type of giallo film. Um, but, yeah, and I like you mentioning this West German connection. Apparently there are a couple actors that were in some of these films the West german crime subgenre, that kind of were placed in prominent roles, one of them being the professor's wife and I think the lead detective. Is, is, are, yeah. yeah. Those mm-hmm. were the kind of two. So so people who kind of were familiar with that sort of said, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is kind of like the update or whatever. And there definitely is some interesting kind of procedural stuff going on as a kind of, you know, first of all, land on this you know seems like a pretty obvious victim he's got all the you know all of the sketchiness that that might provide motives he's a professor at a girls catholic school who's apparently having an affair <laughs> with one of his students and there's evidence left at the scene of the initial crime, and he's busy trying to cover his tracks and not being fully honest in his first interviews. So, yeah, I was expecting this to be a little bit more of, you know, the wrong man getting set up and having to prove his innocence, even though he's kind of a skeezy character and kind of not very sympathetic, if you sort of look at You know, what he's doing, although he's also kind of a suave, cool dude, so I guess you could sort of identify with him in that way, especially if if one's personal lifestyle and conduct is kind of similar, or he seems like a, an aspirational figure in some sort because of his, his style and the fact that he can you know get with these attractive young women, but it's, it's not a very commendable uh, series of choices that he makes uh, to find <laughs> himself in this predicament. Um, I want to get Alex's kind of, you know, kind of first response to this film, you know, like I say, you're not, you're not real deep into the genre, but, uh, you know, what are your first impressions, Alex? Just to kind of give us a
2: little bit of your response here real quick, Alex. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but before you get in yeah it, sure, uh, dear sure. listener, dear listener, if you heard uh David suggest that he was a role model, um he's not okay <laughs> uh, no if you if you see this person and think, you know what, that's kind of what I want to be in life. <laughs> find somebody else. <laughs> cool.
0: Well, Sorry, I, I will just say Jason, there are characters out there that are like that that to me are completely yeah. reprehensible and yet they they have their
2: admirers. So I yeah. I I've seen Fight Club. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, Sorry. Alex, we'll give Alex, you back the floor. Take it away. Sure. So
3: yeah, my my first impressions, I actually only watched this once. Mm. And I was planning to watch it a second time and then I had a stack of blu-rays arrive and I just I I didn't get around to doing it Um, but I I thought it played well as a movie like I certainly enjoyed um, my experience my hour and 45 minutes watching it I I could recognize that it had a good deal it it had some nice and some nice style in terms of like the visual compositions going on and it has Pretty much what you would want um, from a from a murder mystery. You have murders, you have the mystery being solved. Um, but yeah, and, and so we've talked a bit about how this fits into other gi- giallos. And again, I've only seen a couple, but to me, uh, although the, the the violence or like the the blood and the gore seems to be toned down somewhat, the sort of sexual um, elements and the sexual Violence is pretty strong. Um, and it, it, I felt like this weird, weird, almost cognitive dissonance in the film between, it seems like all, all of the, um, all the, all the sexuality and all the sexual experiences in the film are pretty negative. Like it doesn't seem like a, like a sex positive kind of film in terms of more like modern language, but, um, it's pretty clear to me that a lot of the appeal is, seeing like teenage girls get brutally murdered with their with their shirts ripped open and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. It it definitely and so I that that's the part that, that I find questionable. And then I did find the ending to be I, this is actually a problem that I have with a lot of murder mysteries. I mean we've just seen so many of them that it's hard for it to be that satisfying. I mean you you obviously wanna know who has done the killing, but then when it happens and, and we get the, the explanation, it felt like a bit of a letdown. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as, as I say, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I, I would recommend people check it out. But if this is supposed to be, like, one of the pinnacles of Giallo, then that doesn't speak super highly to me of what what else would be in store. Or in that subgenre because I, I it certainly doesn't seem like a classic, but you know there's there's there's
1: certainly good stuff going on. Hmm. There's um I mean there's a couple of things I'd, I'd note. I mean one is, and this is largely going to be a problem I think for a lot of modern audiences like really trying like watching giallos, the murder mystery aspect of them is often just a red herring. Like it's hmm. often resolved by a completely arbitrary solution often with characters that weren't even in the film in some cases right Mm -hmm. it's not really trying to be a murder mystery
0: like cleverly placing clues few few little dodges you know i mean you have that one that one peeping tom character you know with with his eyeball kind of through the little doing the porkies thing there he was one guy but 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 you're right i mean you know the 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 actual killer and the the solange character herself they don't really land in the film until way deep into it you know maybe Mm -hmm. two-thirds of the way or three-quarters even before they really show up uh, or or even become plausible you know drivers of the plot so it is interesting i mean the 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 title of the film is actually spoken at a certain point in the film so it, it fits but uh, yeah it, it and you know i guess you, you look back on it and it's, you sort of could see see it coming but yeah and, and i do want to get into spoiler territory i do want to talk a little bit about some of the you know the, the you know the, the sexual politics or the cultural uh, implications of of this of this storyline uh, because I I I kind of agree with what you said there, Alex. There there is kind of an exploitive element of prurient <laughs> leering, uh, you yeah. know, the, the the voyeurism of 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 looking at these girls uh, literally through the peephole and parading them in front of the camera uh, for really just purely you know visual um, soft core type of reasons. It's it's not really. Yeah, advancing the plot, it, it is an element of uh, giving the audience presumably what they came for.
1: And, and that's the other thing I was going to say. Um, I mean, this is like a, real, a really serious... Like, this is a genre where I think you do have to accept the fact that mm-hmm. it's a hard exploitation genre. And it's mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. Italian hard mm-hmm. exploitation mm-hmm. genre. And, and Italy hard sells <laughs> whatever they're, they're exploiting. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, in a sense, I think... It's easy to think that the film is selling a certain – well, here's what I'll I'll say. It's selling nudity and it's selling violence. The fact that it puts the two on screen together a lot isn't really as significant as you might think, so much as it's trying to put both of them on screen.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's easier to put Mm -hmm. them both on screen together, but it's not necessarily trying to sell sexual violence. It's, it's a very utilitarian genre right mm-hmm. and and it, it it's the sort of thing where you have to bracket that to a certain extent mm-hmm. to really enjoy, enjoy it and say it's going to do that because that's what it's really that's how it's really trying to make money
0: yeah yeah the the, the commercial aspect of it i mean i think you're right there there is a you know what whether you want to call it pandering or soliciting or whatever um, you know and i can sort of let that go and set it aside. Although sometimes it becomes so front and center that it's really hard to compartmentalize, you know, it's like, okay, here we go. But you're right. We go ahead.
1: And the the Italians are not subtle about this. That's (laughs) that's one of the things, I mean, you you can watch American exploitation films and they might be a little bit more tasteful. The Italians are not really big on tastefulness.
0: Well, you know, the thing is subtlety yeah yes. there there are bits where I could say this is sort of a tasteful erotica, if you will. with the Ennio Morricone soundtrack. and you know I and I you know what you said earlier, Jason, about you know, the availability or relative inaccessibility of Smut. and so you find it where you can, and you you put it under the guise of this you know murder mystery this exploration of sort of the opening up of culture you know these these young girls at a catholic school uh having their parties and and kind of getting involved in some of the loosening of morals the free love of the era and all of that i mean i can see there's a there's a cultural critique of sorts going on here i mean it's it's not a real you know sophisticated one it, it is it and it is it's it's, it's kind of like <laughs> This is maybe getting into some politics. It's like when Bill O'Reilly used to do his thing on Fox News and just talk about how these shameful girls are just flouncing around on the beaches in Florida or whatever and just tisk tisking and shaming the how how you know uh improper these young people are and so he's gonna show video for the next five minutes of all these shenanigans <laughs> going <on. laughs> so that his viewers can just feel so righteously indignant at at how uh, scandalous the, the young people of today are, <laughs> it's like, you know, and I, as I, and I, and that's kind of where I get into some of the, uh, you know, the aspects of, of what's happening here and why is it happening? And why is it happening to this particular population of, of young women, you know? And, and so there is this, to me, it, it just felt like, yeah, this is kind of the outburst of a very sexually repressed culture that doesn't really know how to process some of the things that are happening in the youth culture of the early 1970s. I don't know if that's a a, a notion or a pet theory, but uh, d- did anybody else have similar responses? Just sort of thinking about the place and time that that this all occurred.
1: To take a step back for a second, one of the things I'll say is, so I've said that about Giallo's, right? You know, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, it's going to come at you very hard with exploitation elements, etc. With Italian genre filmmakers like this, there's sort of a divide between those who are just going to do that. right? They're going to make a film that just hits you very hard with exploitation elements. And then there are ones who are going to have that as a constraint as they try to make a film with some substance to it. And one of the reasons I like this film is I think it has got some substance to it, even though he has to include Mm -hmm. a lot of pretty rough elements in it. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. well let's get into the substance what would you say or any and the other guys Uh, what's what's the core of this film that maybe raises it to that level of you know not just mere exploitation or just you know kind of a you know a a cynical moneymaker uh you know what do you identify as the both the artistry as well as the you know the 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 plot line and and the narrative um you know, strength of, of the film as a as a work of cinema?
1: I think there's there's two things. One, I'd say there's a lot of craftsmanship in the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But setting that aside for a second, I'd say I think the film is a bit of a lament about the fact that their society is not able to handle these changes. You, one of the things you get a lot through film Italian films in this era is a lot of real cynicism about the Catholic Church and its role. And yeah. I think this film has a pretty downbeat view of that. And also I think the film is suggesting that the, the sort of terrible consequences that happen at the end of this film are largely due to their inability to handle the changes that, they're handling, that are happening in society, right? Like the girls pay for everyone else's inability to understand that the world is changing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. There was a question at the at the top of the episode about how women would look at this style of film. Where there's the misogyny that's run rampant. But if you kind of look at it from a different angle, this is at the end of the day about a group of young women who are embracing their sexuality and using it to gain some level of power. Yes, it gets twisted and destroyed by the patriarchy. But they are seeing the opportunity to use who they are to move forward and use what they can to move forward. hmm. Yeah they they it's pay a very
0: the, severe price for it obviously but i, I don't yeah. feel like the movie i don't think the uh editorial perspective here is that these girls somehow deserved it or that they
2: oh, kind of had it
0: coming no. right right
2: um, it's it's I, I think it's it like you were saying about the 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 changing of social norms and the 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 feelings of sexuality uh, at the time is you have the overly conservative side that would can't imagine women doing this. Period. Mm-hmm. While at the same time being in that subset who would go out of their way to hide the fact that it did and destroy, really, to protect the to protect their social agenda. I suppose mm-hmm. you might say.
0: Yeah, well, and let's just go ahead and get into spoilers now. So if anybody hasn't seen yeah. it and you don't already want to have the the plot blown up on you, then this is probably time to hit the pause button. But yeah, so so we have these young women being killed and um yeah, you know, there there's one moment because the the professor, uh Enrico is uh he he like I said earlier, he's the prime suspect and he also has the added aggravation of of, of a wife who has lost completely lost confidence in him and probably for very justifiable reasons and yet there's this very bizarre little interchange that happens when uh, after his you know young lover has been killed um, and the autopsy's been performed the pronouncement is made that she she was a virgin she had never you know consummated the sex act and the wife upon hearing that sort of, has a reprieve from some of the condemning thoughts that she, you know, harbored toward her husband, even though she's fully aware that he's been carrying on and he's been seeing her and, and there's no hiding any of that. But the fact that he, you know, not that he's innocent of not wanting to to take it to that level, but he didn't. Uh, he wasn't successful, if you will. But that's just another kind of weird little misogynistic thing here because she's dead but but she died a virgin so that all of a sudden that opens the pathway to reconciliation and even her parents are somewhat relieved or gratified to hear that it's like wow that's a <laughs> that's kind of a, a the patriarchy really rearing, rearing its very ugly head <laughs> um finding yeah. a grace note in what's a of course a terribly tragic situation but again that's that's the old mores kind of reasserting themselves and then you know the the, the, the full reveal here is that this was all done uh, as a an act of vengeance uh toward a uh, an illegal homemade abortion that went awry and left the you know the solange character this daughter who's not again introduced until well into the film kind of left her sort of a semi-mute young woman incapable of connecting with others so she's traumatized by this event and even the fact that the this abortion has affected her to that level feels a bit heavy-handed like there's a pretty severe moral judgment being applied (laughs) here not only to the girl but to the woman who did that procedure and the other girls who kind of encouraged her to go through with it rather than carry the pregnancy and face the consequences of that. So there did seem to me to be a pretty kind of heavy moralistic hand at play here. Although, you know, I've I've actually read and, and heard arguments that it could go back and forth. Is this supporting the right to legal and safe abortion or is it really condemning anyone who would go through that and bringing this miserable fate upon themselves. What do you guys think about that?
2: Well, first off, let's (laughs) talk about just the fact that it's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) They, they learned what happens when you have an abortion on a bathroom wall.
1: Uh They
2: don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think part partially it would be more to reinforce that the possible or the likely as, I mean, as it would appear by watching the film, the likely harms of having an abortion. I don't. I don't really think they're the, uh, trying to gloss over the fact that it was done in, uh, on a kitchen table. It was not well thought out.
0: You're talking about the, the depiction of it in the movie or the, the within the, the story that
2: it would have. Yeah, I, like I, the, the, the the abortion would make her catatonic. Is yeah. As ridiculous.
0: Well, and that what Sorry, she inserts ridiculous. the needle is just like this hysterical screaming, this like, yeah. you know, like her body is being fried or electrocuted or something. It's just like, that's not probably
2: how it really would have gone, you know? But, and and I don't imagine they use 20 inch needles. <laughs>
1: but I mean, I'd, I'd put some context and say these things are never plausible in these kind of films. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, I, I wouldn't say that this is particularly the abortion that's implausible, right? It's, it's that this is all sort of, it's, it's, it's very much the kind of film where everything is sort of a hysterical kind of mm-hmm. depiction of reality. Drug use is also completely and utterly unrealistic in every film yeah. of this kind, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've never really interpreted the film as being anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. I've always thought the idea is that this is the cost that's paid because they, can't be mm, mm-hmm. who they're trying to be right? mm-hmm. you know they're they want yeah. to be free but they can't live that way you know they're going to get pregnant and this is the cost of being pregnant because society says that's the cost of being pregnant and she's destroyed by it mm-hmm.
0: which drives I, her father to this homicidal mania where he's taking out the most brutal revenge on young women i mean it's yeah you know, very symbolic no yeah it's very symbolic right but i mean there's yeah. there's no justification for it it's 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 no. just horrifically awful what happens to these girls because they happen to be at a certain place in time i mean so yeah and 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 there is a I, to me it feels like there's a certain neutrality to how all of this tragic violence is portrayed where a viewer can bring their own biases into it and say yep that's how it is (laughs) with you know and 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 they don't and they don't really deliver a particular definitive statement of what where they they stand themselves which is why the debate can go back and forth which actually you know i often respect that in in art where war films can be both seen as glorifying war and depicting the absolute horror and insanity of it so you know it's it's one of those types of things
3: yeah, I definitely, th- this is what I was saying earlier when I, I said sort of a cognitive dissonance. I didn't feel like the movie really knew where it kind of came down on a lot of these issues. I wasn't sure if we were, I mean, I, I know that what the father does in, in the end is it's terrible. But I wasn't sure with the whole sequence of what happened to Solange, if we were supposed to be understanding of, you know, how this horror of his daughter being sexually active would drive him to do these things and you mentioned that moment um where the 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 protagonist's wife finds out that the murdered girl is a virgin and it definitely she she does get this smile and this sort of moment of like um like matrimonial pride or something and i i felt that that's the way that we were supposed to take it and uh one other just in terms of things that are absurd i mean i think that in terms of doing testing for virginity this is a this, this is kind of nitty like gross details but that it's like a Hyman check and given mm-hmm. how these girls were murdered it's hard to understand how that sort of yeah. um that
1: could, could be checked in this situation mm-hmm. I, I mean i'd put it this way though also, i mean there's no sense in which I'll say this, and then I'll I'll back up a second. There's no (laughs) sense in which this is supposed to be plausible. Mm -hmm. right? It it just isn't, right? I mean, and that might sound like I'm knocking the film, but I'm also sort of suggesting European genre films of the period don't care about plausibility. That's not one of the things that they're ever trying to be. So they're, they're not
0: making a sort of a social commentary about the the no. uh, the phenomena of young women being murdered because you no know, they're they are... <laughs> they're not trying to be logical is what I'm supposed right, to right 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 logical
1: right. or realistic the, 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 they a tapp- lot of it has more more to do with atmosphere than anything else mm-hmm.
0: well I, and I think they're tapping into yeah. a certain mentality of the of the outraged father whose you know yes. prized daughter has been violated and it is it's kind of an honor killing kind of thing which again taps into that more Kind of medieval Italian patriarchal stereotypes, like you know, you have sullied my my daughter; she's no longer a virgin. Therefore, I must kill you all. <laughs> you know, because that's just how these things go. Uh, what was that uh, the, the movie, the Lena Vultmuller film that I reviewed right at the very beginning of this season? Um, the, the title escapes me, but that was very much based on that whole sense of honor. The guy who's having an yeah. affair Ooh. and 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 just kind of completely. Playing around and being an outrageous cad, but the minute the tables are turned on him and he finds out that his wife cheated on him, now he's all in his, you know, high indignation and and moral outrage. So yeah, it's just to me, yeah, that because I think there there has to be whether it's plausible or not as a potential real life event, what is it that would trigger this man to you know become this serial killer? And, and especially going going to the extent of imitating a priest, luring these girls into confession so that he could get them to spill the beans in a way that, you know, they would speak freely rather than if he were to question them directly. Again, tying in the Catholic uh, church a- angle on all of this. Yeah. So, so they're definitely tapping into some pretty rich veins of e- emotional you know, weight and and. and poignancy, uh, the kind of things that definitely do push people's buttons and make them react in very irrational, uh, very intense, and and sometimes recklessly dangerous ways. So to me, you know, whether it's, like I say, whether it's plausible as a a real-life story or just, you know, tapping into those emotional currents, I mean, that's, that seems like where they're going with this. And... In some ways, we're at a different place in society, you know, some 50-odd years later. But at the same time, those, 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 um, those responses and those reactions haven't completely left us behind. So, yeah, it's kind of a, just an interesting place to kind of put this film in a bit of a cultural context and think about where we can and cannot maybe relate to some of the you know, the impulses that the characters
2: are feeling. Um, I I was on that episode about the yeah. other side of the Italian, the male versus female and the reaction from the families. Uh, and I was actually just thinking about, oh, geez, what was one of the Pasolini films in the trilogy? Hold on. Let me see if I can find it real fast.
0: Well, the only one I've uh, done so far is the, the Cameron. Uh, the other two are
2: coming up later, but yeah. I've yeah. Got... It's, it's one of those where it's got the, the, there's a young man who goes to the, uh, to a, this is irrelevant to what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's just, it's just the, the, the idea that the, the men are sexual beasts and deserve to have their quote unquote con- uh, conquest. Whereas the women are the, the Virgin Mary who have to be perfect however when their their exact opposite is the sexual beast it's just it's a, it's impossible to to really pull that off but again there's nothing to do with this
0: <laughs> well i i mean i i think that whole dichotomy the the virgin and the whore you know and, and mm-hmm. what what will these young women become i mean they're kind of at that pivot point of life where you know they will either be the perfect bride or they'll be the you know wanton slut and and men will respond to them in kind you know uh, it's the seduction well, of Mimi a movie yeah. about it. <laughs> well exactly yeah the seduction <laughs> of Mimi is the film that we were talking about and oh, it's, yeah. uh, that's right yeah episode 92 if you want to dig back in the archive there so yeah I mean it, it's it, it is to me this kind of stuff is all, always just fascinating to just kind of get into the the cultural dynamics of you know why this film put its message out there the way it did, and and why did it hit? I mean, and we we've talked about maybe this isn't yeah you know, has been sort of maybe more recently admitted into the the high canon of Giallo, and I know there are some who don't like it as much as others. Um, does anybody know like how this film performed as far as in that in that flood of Giallo films of the early seventies? Did this one get particular traction? Or was it yeah, buried and got? It did,
1: it did in Italy. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't. It didn't get a very good release in North America. It got released like twice under two completely different titles. Yeah, yeah. And like, it and, did. And, it did pretty well in Germany as well. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Because yeah, of the, the Europe US
0: cast. Well. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, Europe. There's actually right. there's
1: actually two two unofficial sequels to this.
0: So. Yeah, well, Fulci, or not Fulci, but uh, yeah, Del- 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 Ma, he did What, Del- what Have L- You Done to Our Daughters, right? Which was, yeah. again, more of a, a kind of, this is as the genre was moving back into more of a police uh, procedural type of thing. And, yeah, uh, but it's it's not the same characters or anything like that. They, they kind of took the title and tweaked it a little bit, What Have You Done to Our Daughters? So kind of broadening it
1: out. Yeah, and there's a third one, like Red... Yeah, he ran, died. Fear. Yes, that's it. And he died, right? He was going to make that one and died right before. it. Yeah,
0: him. died in a car accident in his me. late right. 50s. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: but it's the same. It's Fabio Testi again mm-hmm. in that
0: one. Yeah. So what about Testi? I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of online comments of people admiring his beard. Maybe his beard was not part of his regular uh, appearance there. But, it's uh, not, really. Okay, yeah. so this is kind of a unique entry there. But uh, tell me a little bit about Testi. Let's talk about some of the performers and maybe other key aspects of the film that that stood out
1: i'm a big fan of testy mm-hmm. i think he he gets a little bit of a a bad rap because he's a, like a stuntman and a model who became an actor mm-hmm. okay but he's done some very respectable things he's in garden of the finzi continis okay uh, yeah that's and a... he's in a Claude Chabral film not a in the, in the same period but he doesn't do a lot of giallo he mostly does polizio teshi films okay In this era, like the police kind of films, like Mm -hmm. as as like uh, as a
0: cop, or is he more of like a villain, or what is his role typically, or does he go back and forth?
1: Gangster and some cops and some. Okay. And uh, does a few spaghetti westerns. He's actually in Muddy Hellman's China 9, Liberty 37, made in the late seventies too. Okay. Interesting. He's
2: also in Lucio Fulci's Four of the Apocalypse. Yes. Yes. Which was a weird (laughs) one.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. But this Um, is a. This is an un, it's sort of an atypical film for him. Like he's a little bit more neurotic than he is in a lot of his films. <laughs> well, he's in a very particularly. I mean,
0: it's quite a predicament that he's in, you know. And I and I I I, I like I said earlier, I thought the movie was going to play more with that. It seems like for all of the incriminating evidence against him, he gets cleared pretty quickly and pretty easily. And it's like, hmm, boy, I, I would have thought. With all of that, That's standard issue. I, okay, that, yeah, there it is. Yeah, that I that
1: think is. there's also a little weird duality going on in this mm-hmm, film because, mm-hmm. as as was mentioned, it was like the claim is that the film is based on an Edgar Wallace novel, and it's just not, like, not at all. Right. Like the only thing that comes from the Wallace novel is the pins that yeah, they wear. Yeah, the, the secret of the yeah. pins. I think was right. the name of the novel that right. you never actually see on yeah. the girls. Yeah. You just see them at yeah. the crime scenes. And it's to tie it back to the crimmy, like genre, but the interesting thing about crimmy films is the criminal investigators in that are always like police. Mm-hmm. And in Giallo, it's usually not police. So I think this film has a weird like twist in its plot line to emphasize Testy and then the policeman played by F- Fuchsberger mm-hmm. and back and forth to try to be in both genres. So I think he does some odd things in it, like like set up Testy as like the as the obvious murder suspect, and then pull him back because it's trying to have it a little bit both ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, he but becomes the, a bit of a detective himself. I mean, he's the one who's really yeah. trying to piece the clues together and and figure out what's going on
2: here. That's one of the basic rules of Giallo. Oh, yeah, is okay. that the 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 solver of the crime, uh, the sleuth would be an amateur. Because the police won't take it seriously.
0: Ah, okay. And and is it uh, often the person who was initially accused who ends up having to clear his own name or find the real It's carry? often the
1: person who witnesses yeah. the crime. Oh,
0: okay. Very yeah. often. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> oddly what, enough.
1: Oops, go ahead. One of the strong, like recurring themes is who saw the crime and didn't quite understand what they saw, which kind of comes back in this film.
2: Oh yeah,
0: well that's that's very the very opening is the is uh, the the girl who sees something happening, and of course it's a, a little bit of a, a coitus interruptus uh, excuse or, or or justification as well. And and again, and you, you don't really pick up on this when you're first seeing him, you know, floating down the river in the boat. You just think this is a couple of young people enjoying kind of an intimate moment and then later on you find out oh she's a student and most likely like a teenager these aren't this isn't even like a college this is like a high school (laughs) so it's like
2: you yeah it's pretty (laughs) sweet um a couple things of note in the um the commentary on the arrow disc Mm -hmm. um the the role of the Detective in this case by Foxberger in a lot of the creamy films just before this one, that would have been likely played by Klaus Kinski.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Before, yeah, Klinski, wow. before Kinski became Kinski, right? I mean, this yeah. is,
2: this I mean, this this would have been just before uh, he started to work with uh, Herzog. Sure. Okay. Like, so. okay.
3: is there other examples of these sort of Italian German? co-productions it seems yeah, like an yeah. unusual marriage yeah.
1: all of La- all of delamano films up to this point were italian german co-productions
2: oh. he made it
1: he made an early proto giallo called the black veil for lisa that was also german italian co-production he did an adaptation of venus and furs and an adaptation of um, portrait of dorian gray and they're all german italian co-productions
0: well, yeah, and this is this is of course when German cinema. We're talking about West Germany at this time. I, I'm yeah. pretty certain. You know, I mean, we, we all talk about Fassbender, and certainly we've covered a lot of early Fassbender films in in this uh, in this podcast. But you know, the, you're, this is more of the conventional, what you might say, conventional yeah, German definitely. cinema, where they're just really studios trying to make a buck, but they really haven't established themselves uh, as far as an international market is concerned. I and mean, we we've talked about how. You know, Fassbender seems to be like the only German films being made at the time. Well, that's clearly not the case. But uh, this kind of collaboration here, uh, you know, kind of teaming up to maximize the reach of the audience. So it is kind of fascinating just to sort of see uh, German and Italian cinema, you know, teaming up here to you know create something a little bit on the you know unique side and expressing something about both of those cultures even though again this film was set in england which i also thought was interesting mm-hmm. i guess so jason you got the aero disc uh, i believe there's yes. like a, both italian and english soundtracks available i thought the yeah. english soundtrack worked very sensibly for this I, yeah. I would not have wanted to watch they actually, this. Um, italian.
1: Hmm? They actually intentionally made it so that it would work well in English. Yeah. Everybody is speaking English in this film.
0: Well, it's set in England, and you've got an Italian yeah. teacher, so mm-hmm. if the Italian teacher is there to teach the kids Italian,
2: they shouldn't be talking Italian yeah. all the time. Well, I watched yeah. the English because... because um, yeah. And the One thing that they made a note uh, is that the opening river... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been to England or London, mm-hmm. so I can't really speak to this, but... Uh, the river in the opening was uh, supposed to be the Thames.
0: Yeah, it didn't seem like the Thames to me.
2: <laughs> but the, the, the commentary, like, the Thames doesn't look like this anywhere.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where the Thames begins, but certainly it's a much broader and much more developed river uh, mm-hmm. you know, around London. So, yeah. But again, plausibility is not the main yeah. criteria here, right? Well, I was just gonna—I was gonna to ask if there's any other aspects of the film we want to get into. We've been about an hour now, so I just want to kind of sort of see you know where the conversation's heading. I don't want to miss anything. We just kind of wondered what other overall reactions or details people want to share with our listeners. It's worth mentioning that Solange is Buster Keaton's granddaughter. Real? Oh well, yeah. Her name is <laughs> <all, but> Camille. <laughs> yeah, Keaton. Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. that direct lineage there. So wow. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah and um and she, she she
0: had a bit of a career herself uh, i spit on your grave i think is the other big title that yep. she's known for i haven't seen that one <laughs> needless to say but oh, yeah
2: that, we can talk about that later, later.
0: yeah yeah sure. that's so, a
2: that's
3: a rough one yeah that's yeah. An, it i'm oh, sorry that's an interesting connection because i read a sort of analysis that anna biller did of i spit on your grave um she was not a fan of the movie <laughs> at all but uh it did make me, I, I thought of that analysis when I was watching this, this film a couple of times, just um, just about some of the, the, the sexual violence and the way that it's portrayed. But I also was thinking for our lead, um, I can't remember his name now, even though we've mentioned it. Uh, Fabio? Uh, yeah, Fabio. Yeah, exactly. Um, he reminded me a lot of the, I, I don't know if you guys have seen The Love Witch by Hannah Biller, but there well, is yeah. a, yeah, there's the... The professor character in that film, I think her first victim that we see on screen, uh, their characters seem to be very linked to me um, just in terms of being these like sexual libertine um, type of characters. And they're both professors and something about the facial hair. So I don't really know how relevant that is, but uh, I I thought of Anna and and the Love Witch, especially in regards to his character.
0: I didn't make that connection, but definitely the, the Enrico as this kind of um, decadent academic, you know, who's really in his profession for seemingly all the wrong reasons, you know, that, that definitely felt mm-hmm. to me also like a, you know, a, a kind of a trope of the times. I mean, I, you know, I think the dynamics have certainly changed quite a bit, but I've certainly read enough, you know, like John Updike novels and others, you know, from that era where the, uh, you know, the... Perk Or almost like a fringe benefit of being a young, you know, professor is access to all these nubile young women. I mean, it almost feels like if you're not getting some of the action, you're missing out, you know, and I feel like, yeah, they were kind of playing up that angle as well.
1: Yeah, Boss but, is pretty relaxed about it. Yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, they even
0: make it. You know, your informal relationships with the girls will help you break the bad news. And I was like, whoa. So there's a complicity yeah. to all of this that is like, uh, cringy. But uh, but you know, it's not unrealistic. I don't think
3: for the times. Yeah, and one other thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I know that we've been talking about how plausibility. I, I'm not suggesting that the movie should be more plausible. But I think that for me, part of the fun of watching some of these movies is how implausible they are. Mm-hmm. But the um, the whole sort of plot with the the priest, the fact that the the witness spotted someone in, in in the priest garb, and the way that all of the detectives just take it at face value. Well, we've got to be dealing with yeah. a priest here. Mm-hmm. And they seem to follow that right up until the end, and I thought that that was just very, very kind of quaint and, and funny um, that that nobody would um, think that you know perhaps someone was wearing a disguise you know yeah. especially in an outfit that is so recognizable when with these cr- this crime committed in broad daylight.
1: Two things made me really sit and go, what the heck in this? And one was that when she says that. She remembers that it's someone with, a, like, wearing a priest robe. And then she's brought in front of the entire faculty to tell them that. Mm-hmm. It's the murderer that brings her to the faculty to tell them that, which mm-hmm. is like, why would you do this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You just, like, she's discovered some important evidence against you, and you bring her to everybody you work with to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Then they'll never suspect me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. That yeah. plus the police, I, I, this is moderately graphic, but the police bringing the parents to see that x-ray that oh, still has a yeah. knife inside oh, the yeah. body. Yeah. It's, it's like, what? yeah. Brace
0: yourself, why would this sir. X-ray have,
1: why would this x-ray have ever been taken, and why would you take the parents to look at it?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, those, those are yeah. definitely brain-searing moments there. I, I think that was kind of my first, holy smokes, type of reaction. I, I think this conversation has helped me <laughs> kind of you know, back down a little bit and, and just understand, like I say, putting it in context and recognizing the you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, the artistry, the aesthetic, um, you know, there's there's definitely a, a lot of different motives that that are informing the particular, you know, expression of this film and the way it was put together, what was included, what perhaps might have been but wasn't. So yeah, this is uh, this uh, this conversation has certainly helped me get some context around this. Um, any final mm-hmm. observations or comments, uh, uh, Jason uh, or anybody else? Uh, Richard, do you have the Arrow uh, Blu-ray as well?
1: No, I don't actually. I just I actually watched this on. Uh, I could have watched it on the Criterion Channel, but I watched it on Amazon. Too. Yeah, I favorite. think
0: I think it's available through multiple outlets. Uh, Jason, you want to tell us just a little bit about the Arrow
2: release? I think it was like from um, 2015 or so. Right? Yeah, I. I don't know if it's the same scan that's available on the Criterion channel. I watched the first half of it on the Criterion channel. Then I remembered that I had the disc. Get some views out of that Blu-ray, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. It it looks terrific. It has the commentary with Kim Newman and somebody else who I can't think of right now. It's, it's probably it's very uh, dense. It's got a lot of information in it. And it's it, it's got some you know, more boilerplatey type interviews. One with Fabio Testi, um, but their interviews are in Italian, and I typically don't watch those because yeah, it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. sometimes you, that, you get a glimpse of
0: the actor as an older person, yeah. and you know, maybe mm-hmm. a few anecdotes, and as yeah, long as they don't, don't it go on too bit. long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
2: for the uninitiated, I this is a fine film. And and for for what it is, but I would not rest your decision on whether or not you should watch more jolly films based on this movie.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure.
2: There are so many better ones, um, especially more that are indicative to the genre.
1: Okay, it's also really Hmm. atypical. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So do you think maybe that's why some of the, uh, you know, the commentators, the bloggers and whatnot maybe esteem this one because it does have sort of that unique sort of little twist to it, or it's, it's sort of, it's got a, it's got an angle that isn't the typical thing. So sometimes that, that can win a film uh, extra support because it, it kind of takes the road less traveled.
1: That's one On of the, the reasons I really like it. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like it because it, it does, it's not very typical of the genre.
2: On the commentary, they were saying that once you get past the, like the Argent or the Argento, like well, the Loose Animal trilogy, um, this would be in their top ten mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for yeah. Films.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was putting the show notes together. I saw some of some of them have this, on like your kind of essentials, and others who have like top twenty don't even mention this one or even mm-hmm. exclude it deliberately because they just don't like it. So, yeah, I, I, I imagine, like any genre, you're going to have your specialists who, who are going to, you know, uh, kind of filter it out in different ways.
3: I believe at the beginning you um, mentioned or, or you were wondering where it fits in and what package on the Criterion channel, and yeah. I think it's in the Ennio Morricone scores. Yeah. Bundle. I could uh, be well, wrong that, about that. that, <laughs> that was,
0: I yeah, I, I was scrolling through the channel earlier tonight, and I just must not have fallen into that particular packet because you're right that that makes total sense. And uh, what do you all think of the score? I, I thought it was actually pretty good. I I'm, I'm looking it's forward good. to okay. sampling some bits for my intro and outro music there. I also thought the cinematography, I mean it's kind of a cliche, but I I thought so, it was very
1: I, very well well uh Can I point know. out who that is? Yeah, go ahead. Most a lot of people won't know because he's listed as Aristide Messager Chazy. Which is his real name, but he's Joe D'Amato, who's like a giant <laughs> in a way of, mm-hmm. of exploitation films. and he's in the film. Oh, okay oh, that's.' I, right. I, I, I he's, he's, a, he's a okay. cop with a beard who has one line in, when in the scene when the cops are all trying to like do the like follow the girls to find Solange in that scene but he's actually a pretty gifted cinematographer if yeah. a, not exactly a hugely <laughs> gifted director but he's like a giant in italian kind of exploitation cinema having directed <laughs> like 200 films
2: okay
0: like just like crank him out i mean you know. yeah, yeah
1: very much so okay <laughs> yeah.
2: i, I know I the name he,
0: yeah but probably don't know much he of
2: employed film, several yeah. different uh nom de plumes the yeah, stuff that yeah, he was yeah. less proud of. Uh, covering his tracks, uh, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the uh, uh, soundtrack is on music.youtube.com, which is where I listened to this afternoon. It's, mm-hmm.
1: it's okay.
2: It was very good.
3: Yeah, I've yet to come across a film where I, I felt that an Ennio uh, Morricone score didn't improve it, and I would say that's the case for this one as well. And there was there was a couple little edits, like we talked about, of a scene earlier with with the X ray of the knife, and it kind of cuts from um, it cuts to the father's face, and we think that it's sort of the reaction shot to seeing that photo, and then it's um he's at the funeral mm-hmm. for his daughter. Yeah. Uh, so there was just a couple little edits like that that I thought were were very artfully done. Um, and, there, there yeah. was a
0: stabbing where you know the victim is getting it and then it switches to a different woman kind of having that gasp And i mean yeah there, there is definitely some pretty compelling you know kind of sensational moments there so yeah i definitely noticed the editing you know kind of takes you for a bit of a ride there so yeah there there's there are definitely many scenes that for better or worse produce a very visceral response
1: yeah
0: all right uh anything else i mean i think we've we've Pretty, did a pretty good job of covering it. But uh yeah, I mean I I think um well let's see what what are there any other yellow on the Criterion channel right now that um might be recommendable or worth mentioning here?
2: I don't know. Okay. Bird I'd with be the
3: happy. crystal plumage is on there.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Really I
0: I, I did see that on the one of their double features. I think they they had the bird with the crystal plumage and something else. As it's probably the,
1: the Marconi okay. bundle again.
0: Oh, he did a score for that one as well?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now that yeah. one is, that, that's that's truly, like, if people want an introduction to Jalo, they should watch that. Like,
2: that's, I would agree. Um, I, it's not, I don't think it's on here. Um, uh, I, If you want to know exactly what a Jalo film was... Intended to be from the beginning. Watch Blood and Black Lace.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, the one yeah. that kind of, kind of threw it's, you for a loop there and hit, hit the spot, right?
2: Yeah,
0: and that it was perfect. And that's more like mid '60s, I believe. And yeah. It, black and white as well.
2: Uh that's in some that was, of the most breathtaking color you'll ever. Oh, see. it is yeah. color. Okay, maybe I'm yeah. thinking <laughs> of something else.
1: Okay. The, the earlier, the Girl Who Knew Too Much is black and white. Okay, I think yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah.
3: The Cat of Nine Tales is also on the channel, um, and then they have Eyes of Laura Mars and Cruising, which are sort of American um, influenced, I guess, by by Giallo, or you know, that, that's what Criterion
0: is uh, opening like up a connect- new line of debate here.
2: <laughs> well, no, I Cruising, it's a it, Cruising is a terrific film, but I would it would be pretty far away from what would be considered
1: uh, Giallo. One of the things about Giallo, I think, is that people are very profligate about what is influenced by it and what's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's allowed to be called. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, kind not. of
0: murders with this kind of highly stylized aesthetic. Yeah. That seems
2: and to it, be kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. Go, it's, it's super granular to some people. Like, there has to be a fedora and gloves and yeah. it must be a knife. The detective doesn't know what he's doing, and no supernatural elements. Oh, okay. So it's like there's, it's, it's like the rules of horror, but silly.
0: Well, and, like, yeah, with the the specificity, like yeah, you know, if you cross one of those lines, you no longer
2: qualify. <laughs> and that's why Suspiria is is so is argued so much. I mean, visually it falls directly in. Um, but just then once you add in the other elements, people just will fight you to the nail.
0: Okay. Well, I'm kind of glad that I stumbled into that one, actually, <laughs> to kind of perpetuate the the, the the debate, the dialogue there. All right. Well, speaking of debate and the dialogue, I think this is about time to wind sure. this one down. But, uh, guys, thank you for kind of holding my hand and walking me through this one. I, I feel a little bit. You know, uh, enriched by the conversation, and uh, hope you all had a good time sorting through it with me as well. All right, sure thing. Cool. So the next episode here is probably going to be a little ways off. Uh, the next one on my calendar is Jean Luc Godard's Tout va bien, which of course was made with Jane Fonda and Yves Montan, and this was kind of in his um, in his kind of latter phase uh, after all of the pop sensations of the 60s uh he became part of the ziga vertov group and became extremely political and pedantic and to many viewers at least rather tedious (laughs) but i'm going to take a little bit of time and i'm going to personally kind of educate myself on all of this ziga vertov stuff that godard was up to from like weekend all the way through that means la chinoise and uh uh, what was the other one? The Savoir, as well as a box set that I got. I think it's an arrow set a couple yeah. years ago that I've never really dug into, but it's the films that he made uh, you know in that era in the late 60s, early 70s. So I'm going to take a little bit of time and sort of catch up on all that stuff. I might even do a podcast on that box set just to kind of you know dig a little bit deeper into this transitional phase of Godard's career. And then we'll come back and do Tu Fabien and also Letter to Jane, which is kind of a separate film, but kind of part of that same Criterion package. So give me a few weeks. I may uh, spend some time doing other stuff. I know Trevor and I are talking about another episode of Inside the Box. We're going to talk about the Vim Vendors Road Trilogy. So that's probably going to be the next thing I do after this episode. And very much looking forward to that. So probably maybe not until the latter half of September before I'll be back and ready to go with – Toot bien. So, little little roadmap of what I've got coming up. Of course, I'm also very active on TikTok. Try to put something out there almost every day. So find that, me uh, there.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, interrupt you. Yeah, that that's fun. incredible. What's that? Um, just uh, I I have become uh, mildly obsessed with TikTok. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just fun to like the the little snippets. And yeah. when I was looking at your numbers that you were saying in the uh, in Facebook the other day, that's that's very impressive.
0: Yeah, I got five thousand yeah. followers, and and you know, and uh, I you know, I, I know not everybody. I don't get like five thousand hits on every video or anything like that. Sure, but it's still fun, and I I really especially enjoy connecting with kind of a younger crowd there. Uh, all these all these emo kids. <laughs> I hope you don't. <laughs> I hope they don't feel insulted by me saying that. But but it's just it's just great. I mean, finding these like teenagers and young twenty somethings who have really deeply enriched. Um, taste in cinema it's like I'm very impressed but it's just really fun connecting with them and and people from other parts of the world as well so I really do appreciate the dynamic of that and of course I'm on the Facebook groups too but TikTok is Mm -hmm. just kind of a fun little gizmo to play with and uh, so that's where I spend a fair amount of my social media time uh, these days so anyways guys any final comments before we sign off just give you a chance to say whatever's on your mind before we shut her down
2: uh, the only thing that I thought about saying you know, was going back to a question that somebody posed on uh, either Criterion Now or the Guyer about why there are not more Jello films um, in the collection.
0: Yeah, that's and a good question.
2: What is? What are your I, thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I. What's that?
1: The rights aren't available.
2: <laughs> well, obviously, that is the correct response. Um, but. In the sense, because the rights aren't available, it's it's because there are so many other great companies that are just going to yeah. take care of it for Criterion.
0: Yeah, it seems like Arrow and yeah. you know Scream Factory uh, or whatever. I mean, the, they, Syndrome. You're right? They've, they, they've got that covered, you know. Yeah. Is is what do you? I mean, obviously, and and if we were to just kind of wipe the slate clean, because Bird of the Crystal Plumage, I know, is a pretty prominent Arrow title. Is yeah. there anything out there that hasn't been snatched up? By some other label that you think Criterion might get a chance to obtain and make their Giallo debut, or do you they think they're just ready to concede that to other
2: distributors and leave it at that? I don't. I I am not aware of a popular enough title that has not been. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess Severin's got a lot of the even the more interesting weird ones.
0: The obscurities yeah. or the the kind of yeah. deep cuts there. Yeah.
1: And they're
2: like the they, they have an Umberto Lenzi set with uh, it was Lenzi and Baker with Carol Baker. Um, it's they're lesser known films, but considering who the star is they're they should have been more popular. And that's a very good set. Um, I mean, Vinegar Syndrome's released uh, three uh, Forgotten Gialli sets, and they are uh, movies that I, I, I never came across before in my life. Hmm. but they're still, for the most part, very good. So not everything needs to go Criterion.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, Criterion certainly has a lot of other angles they're exploring these Hmm. days, just, you know, and other types of indie cinema, you know, uh, women directors, people of color, you know, other parts of the globe that haven't been well represented. I I think we're going to see a lot of that coming from Criterion for the foreseeable future, and uh, you know, Giallo's out there. If you want to dig into it, patronize some of our other fine labels and imprints out there, and and you'll be fine. They don't want to release this
2: smut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, there's your zinger for the end. There you go.
3: Hey.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, Alex, any final words before we uh, shut it down, then, or y'all good? Uh,
3: yeah, just thanks for having me on. It was it was. a very fun conversation and like you I I feel like I'm coming away with a a higher appreciation uh, for the film so yeah thanks for having me on. Excellent it's always nice
0: getting together with you guys so thanks for tuning in listeners we'll shut it down now and uh, be back at you one way or another in the weeks ahead so (laughs) bye bye for
2: now